Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. And I'm Gary Roby, and you can find me on social media at the Gary Roby. Awesome. And thank you for joining us this week on DC Cinematic Minute. On top of your own personal social media, I hear there's also a Star Wars podcast that you do that's part of the Dueling Genre Network. Yeah, I do New Republic Archives, and we just came back like within the last couple of weeks. We were on hiatus from last May, and there wasn't a whole lot of content to talk about, but we have uh, dived back in with new episodes. Uh, there's a new Bantha episode or a little like talk about new stuff, banter, kind of catch back up uh, coming out this week. Uh, but our first deep dive back was um, the Empire Strips Back holiday special, which is like a burlesque show holiday special on YouTube. And it was delightful. Uh, it's a little raunchy. We, <laughs> we it... have a, a, a disclaimer up top. But was that it was fan made? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a burlesque show that tours uh, Empire Strips Back. They're from like Australia. And I got to see them back in March, and they were fantastic, actually. Like, it's played kind of comedically, but it was a lot more, like, well done than I had, professionally done than I had expected. Apparently, the guy who uh, who puts it together had worked in burlesque for a long time before starting doing the Star Wars stuff. So. Okay. That sounds, yeah. I'm, it sounds so familiar, um, seeing just Star Wars burlesque, and it's like, oh, yeah, I've had to have seen yeah, videos they were like, and stuff. I didn't know it was a touring show. Yeah, I saw That's I awesome. saw like advertisements for them on like TikTok and stuff. And my buddy was like, "Oh, I went and it's actually really good. You have to go." And uh I texted him during the intermission. It was like, "Holy shit, you were right. This is amazing." <laughs> That's really cool. An intermission. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was oh, a good time. Awesome. It was like a 3-hour show. It was really great. That's awesome. It is incredible. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's amazing, and, and welcome back. You know your show from coming back on hiatus. Yeah, it's uh, thank amazing. You, thank you. Uh, we were just talking off air. I mean, this is your first time here on DC Cinematic Minute. Yeah. Um, we're here to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is a four-hour-long movie. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you said that you've only seen this version of the film. Yeah. So this movie came out right, and I heard. I, had, I I used to work in a movie theater, so I saw a lot of stuff while I worked there. But when I stopped working there, like, I wasn't going on the regular like I used to. And this is one of those movies that came out, and a lot of the, like, talk about it was really negative, And I wasn't particularly excited to go see it anyway. And so I waited. And then I think during the pandemic, maybe, late 2020, early 2021, uh, on the Dueling Genre Patreon, um... Scott, Cass, Nick, and like a handful of us watched the um the the long cut of Batman v Superman, and then we watched this, and uh, that was the only time I had seen it. I've only seen this movie twice. Once was then, and once was like preparing for this podcast. I mean, you didn't choose a a bad point to to back to back those movies. To be honest yeah. with you, I mean, that's yeah. pretty that's pretty awesome. It, it turned out really well, right? Because like I had I had seen Batman v Superman before and had been really disappointed in it, and so on the rewatch with the like full extended director cut or whatever, um, I was really impressed with like the way that those stories balance between Batman and Superman and like how much both of them get and the the way those stories are in conversation. And then this one following it up immediately after, like I don't know, man. I really like I actually really like this movie. I think. <laughs> 
That's amazing. So have you ever gone and seen the theatrical cut? No, I know it's on Max and I know uh, I can do it. No, I don't know if I you don't to. have to. You don't have to. I'm just amazed to have finally found someone who has seen this cut only. Yeah. 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 So like, I don't know. I don't know like how they trim. It's a four hour movie. How do they cut it down so much? Uh, yeah. And not only do they cut it down, but they also uh, direct entirely new scenes under Joss Whedon. So it's just, it's just, there's whole new scenes that are added. That's some crazy some scenes substitute other scenes. Some scenes are just completely brand new, orchestrating a whole new subplot. Um, yeah. It, it is truly uh, mind boggling. But this is cool that you've only seen this version. Um, yeah. I feel that same way right now. I, I feel like we share maybe a Venn diagram of Rebel Moon being uh, a Zack Snyder film and and somewhat of a Star Wars spinoff. Uh, yeah. So I, that's another one that's like there, and I know it's there, and I could watch it, but like I don't think I'm good. I don't think I'm good. I'm not I going, going to. to I'm not. I have chosen. I'll wait. <laughs> not to do it until the Zack Snyder Rebel Moon comes out, and and yeah, <laughs> I don't. They keep doing this to this poor guy. He he turns in obnoxiously long movies, and they're like, we're gonna chop this to pieces yeah and he keeps saying that's fine but i think that's because he's a really he's a nice person i think that's what he really is he's just like okay that's fine at least i get to keep making movies and they say yeah sure you can um and and it's good to know that that was the case because i was also like i'd like to go see rebel moon in theaters but i don't now now that i know that it's not like the cut i'm like well i'm glad yeah i'm glad i didn't see it in theaters because then it's not what it's not the same yeah i want to see the yeah. full unfiltered thing and for the first time i'd like to see something before seeing the theatrical version and like having to let down or being part of that conversation and then sure um, because a lot of this movie having seen the theatrical version first and then watching this um i don't get as wild by some things i get more wild by the behind the scenes of like oh thank god this scene's finally in here or thank god mm-hmm. this is supplementing this now and I just wish I didn't have to do that for every Zack Snyder film. I wish I could just watch yeah. something and from beginning to middle to end and just be wowed by this kind of story. So, mm-hmm. um, but today in, in, in our DC Cinematic Minute, we're talking about minute 156 of part five, All the King's Horses. It's going to start with Lois Lane uh, kind of internalizing her goodbye to Clark Kent as she uh, prepares to move on with her life and, and not no longer live um, with the dead and, and return to the living as Martha Kent said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And then the minute is going to end with an explosion in a city uh, ruins, which is um, also Pajornov, but it's, it's a, through a vision from cyborg. So he's seeing a vision of this uh, mother box. It's, it's gone from active to cold. And then all of a sudden there's an explosion in a city. Um, which would be Pajornov. So, uh, a countdown begins in this minute as the Justice League prepare to activate the Mother Box. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's a very suspenseful, intense uh, minute that we have here. Uh, it starts off with Lois Lane, uh, as we talked about like in, in last week's minutes, where she's um, preparing to let go of mm-hmm. the death of Superman and to... Uh, Clark Kent really and to no longer let that uh, direct her life 
downwards, and she's prepared to continue being the the lowest lane that Clark Kent has really fallen in love with, which is the strong um, kind of uh, journalist, if you will. And yeah. um, you know, it's this is the final moment we get here. So Nathan and I have talked a lot about it, but we'll hand it off to you, Gary. Is there any notes that you would have for Lois Lane in this minute here? Oh man. Um, it's so, it's so interesting because um, like the, the news that she gets from, from Ma Kent is, or the information she gets, the like reassurance, like you have to, you have to go back to your life, honey, mm. sweetheart. Um, is always like undercut for me by realizing that it's, it's not Ma Kent. Like, yes. I feel like that, <laughs> that little reveal just like breaks that scene for me. Like, I'm glad that she still like takes heart from that and like leaves. She's about to have a hell of a day. <laughs> yes. And, and really that's a, that's a superhero uh, trying to, to motivate Lois yeah. Lane to do, do the right thing. So it, it, in one case, in one hand, we've talked so much about this as well, but it's like, in yeah. one hand, it's like, it's okay because the message is still fine. The wrong yes. thing is like it doesn't come from Ken. So if at any point she talks to you know Martha, it's gonna be <laughs> exactly. like, I never talked to you at your apartment. I was never there. It's like uh, I was never there. This is awkward now. Who's in my house? Um, but yeah. So the message is still good, you know. And, and yeah. when we talked about this being a four-hour movie, mm-hmm. there's part of me that's like we could still cut it down. We can, we can come back and, and, <laughs> and just take that part away. Just take that part out. Um, but yes, it's, um, it's still a very good moment for Lois Lane here. And it's very well done here with um, Amy Adams. We've talked about how good she is yeah. in this trilogy. Um, always love the way that she can say things without saying anything. Yeah. She's so expressive. It's like really impressive. Mm-hmm. And so she's, has like um it kind of continues with that kind of depressed look that she gives Lois Lane throughout this movie mm-hmm. but then the way she like looks down she blinks and she looks up and there's there's like this hope that's across her face and then she yeah. turns around and she looks strong again um as she walks away and even with the music accompanying her it just completely transforms her character into back into who she wanted to be Right at the beginning of yeah. Dawn of Justice, so uh, let's let's cut back over to Star Labs here. Uh, here we have the Justice League. They've been <laughs> they've uh, successfully brought the Mother Box and Clark Kent's body into the Genesis Chamber of the Scout Ship, which is also in Star Labs. And so, mm-hmm. um, with the use of Barry Allen's uh, special rule that he normally doesn't like to break for certain reasons. Uh, and they made a whole movie about it. Uh, he's <laughs> deciding I will do it once more here. And, uh, and then it, the, the team starts to kind of really fracture at this point. They really, yeah. they really decide, Hey, like Aquaman says, this is a bad idea. <laughs> it It's as the minute goes on, like, more members of the group have that tension of like maybe we shouldn't yeah yeah <laughs> but it's only because they're just getting like a loud 
robot voice telling them to stop. I mean, yeah, the vibes are bad. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't know if you. I don't know. They're if... <laughs> good at reading the room, you know, especially when that room is telling you straight up, "Hey, hey, th- this action is irreversible. Hey, quit! Don't, don't do this. Like, I mean, like you can do this, but this course is not advised. I don't know yeah, if that's, you. That's pretty cool. How it's like, you know, s- supercomputer to the max, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we did all the calculations. Like, it'll work. It's just I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. After it turns on, like <laughs> I don't that know what's gonna so happen. Committed. You... Everyone else has that moment of like, eh, yeah, it'll work. Yeah, it, um, and and, and <sighs> is that just because it's blind faith from Batman, just constantly just going like, D- no, do it. I talked about this before. Um, I think I talked about this before, but one of my favorite things uh, in this part of the movie is uh, Batman's obsession. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it really is such a like blatant Batman thing um, that I, I I don't know. To me, it's just like, oh yeah, that's super normal. Like he's yeah. he's a crazy guy, and he's just saying, mm-hmm. do it. I don't care what happens, just do it. Again, it's like, yo, you were the one that wanted to put all this team together, um, and at that point, you were just thinking, I need uh, tools. To, to get this done, you weren't thinking that, you know, all those people are people and they have lives and mm-hmm. feelings and complete minds and are able to make their own decisions and stuff. And yet Batman is still doing the most Batman thing where he's just like, uh-uh, whatever it is, just do it. I don't care. Yeah. Do it. Get the job done. And you're like, he, ah, there he is. There's my he Batman. He tells Alfred later that it's faith. Yeah. He believes he'll come. Yeah. And... Like that sort of um, almost blind devotion. Yeah. Of like I've seen who this man is, and he, I we need him. That's very inspirational. Um, yeah. On on one side, <laughs> on it, one it, end, it really is because <laughs> at, because uh, you know he is talking about bringing Superman back, and the the biggest question. Uh, that there is is uh must there be a superman and that mm-hmm. answer is well there is you know they say it in the movie but it's also the real answer to that in universe question yeah um and you know what when there isn't a superman that is when things are wrong um mm. i don't want to say things go badly uh or, or anything you know that extreme it's just when there is no superman that's when things are wrong it's incorrect um so like batman being able to just be this obsessive over the end goal um i just think it fits so perfect in this exact moment um even when you're faced with cyborg you add cyborg to this justice league and he is also supercomputer and knows exactly what's going to happen and and even in this movie, has done things without hesitation uh, because it's helped out. You know, he yeah. in the in the tunnel and everything. He he did his own cyborg thing. He saved everybody, and then he got out and got the mother box, and then brought it back. It was like, hey, what? I figured it out. I get this. Um, anyway, the whole point of that is just this is some excellent Batman here. This is mm-hmm. some excellent Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah, I I think absolutely because he looks because because cyborg is a success story in this mother box revival is that he's looking at, well, it worked for cyborg or it worked for Victor stone. It can work for Superman. Like this mother box brought you back. It can work here in this moment. So 
when Aquaman says like this is a bad idea, he's quickly to say, <laughs> "No, it isn't. Keep going." <laughs> like so, just it's theory. like just like well, we tested the theory already. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. didn't, but Silas, Silas did. did and check it out. We got look, like the best guy now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I I don't know. It's cool. So. Um. The lack of hubris is just like, <laughs> ah, you're very good. Very, yeah, hubris is very yeah, apt absolutely. in this moment here. Um, I was going to say earlier, like, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, The Fall of House of Usher yet, mm-hmm. but if Carla Gugino is telling you not to do something, it's best <laughs> that you listen to robot voice here in this moment here. Um, you know, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We got this. We've got it figured out. No, no one's going to get hurt. Uh, and none of those visions I keep having in my nightmares are going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's not a one. Yeah. So and and um, even Wonder Woman. So um, we've talked a lot about Wonder Woman and how she is, um, you know, what she thinks of this plan. What's her stance on this plan? Um, we've even uh, recorded some episodes um, in, in future for future release that we've talked about. What her stances on the plan after it has happened um Mm -hmm. and and looking at this moment here there is kind of like a change of of a literal stance physical stance like she actually pivots a bit and there's this motion by gal gadot that seems uneasy like is this going to work and there's a fear for that um and and it's just excellently like portrayed here in this in this minute here where we do see wonder woman kind of like prepare for like what's going to happen like she too is not solid confident as batman is um yeah and so she has a little bit of doubt there as well it's good to good to notate i just find it fascinating seeing the hesitation as it spreads <laughs> among the group yes um cyborg not so much the only thing he says that i think is very important is he says something that does happen in the movie um is it's that um the mother um it's afraid of the mother box talking about Kelex or kilo or whichever one is yeah. here in the scout ship um the kryptonian ship itself is scared of this mother box because they know once it's activated that steppenwolf will come for the mother box this is something that wasn't said in the theatrical cut so it becomes a, a bit of a surprise spoiler for you gary um mm. but um also, if people don't pay attention to that line, then it may be surprising when Steppenwolf does show up for this mother box. But with this here, the Justice League know it. It's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be like, uh, you know, he shows up and then they're like, oh, whoa, we didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. Like they knew. They know now because the Kryptonian scout ship is telling them when you activate this mother box, the big alien monster wearing. Uh, like Xeno chainmail armor with the big electro axe <laughs> is going to show up for this mother box. And so he cyborg says it out loud because now he knows, but he says it and still continues to do what he says. It's not like he's telling them like, okay, let's not do it or whatever. He doesn't care. The team doesn't mm-hmm. care. They're like, if he's just giving them the heads yeah, up. Step, this man's going to come. Yes. He will show up. So no surprises now when he does. Okay. And so keeping that in mind and thinking about how the rest of the movie plays out um, specifically this chapter, because this will kind of conclude chapter five. uh, Once all of this is done, including what happens to Superman um, Mm -hmm. and this third mother box. So just think about the resolution of this chapter. It's no surprise that Steppenwolf shows up. Um, 
that being said, it's um, it's really it's you know, Cyborg is saying like we'll just keep it going. Um, not gonna be afraid of it. And then um, the only other person that is has some hesitation as well is Barry Allen. Now this one. Um, I don't know if it's so much being afraid of the mission itself or being afraid of what he's about to do. Mm. What is your guys' take on uh, Barry Allen here? He's doing his job. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect this Barry <laughs> Allen to function any other way. Um, he's very eager to join the team. Uh, he's mm-hmm. very aware of his abilities and what his role is in this exact moment here um i mean it it, it's kind of like i really do enjoy that the flash isn't um chiming in with the whole hey maybe we should stop this it really is just like yeah no i have the job i'm supposed to charge this thing like i'm the battery um I don't know. He it's, made it's his really choice cool. and had his whole speech about like how he's going to break this rule that he doesn't usually break. Mm-hmm. Like he's already made up his mind. Yeah. And there must also be a part of him that's like um, when we think back to him digging Clark, you know, out of the grave with Cyborg's help. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, Superman. It's like he was my hero. Like out of all the Justice League members, Barry Allen is kind of our representation of human. Um, and not so much yeah. like cyborg as is uh, human on like a biological level, but human pathologically to superheroes. And so to be like, oh, you know, Superman was a hero to me. Is only one of the only members to really look up to him. Um, yeah, he's doing this because it's like this is my superhero. Like if I have a chance to bring Superman back to life, I'm going to use these powers that I've been given to you know break my one rule and bring him back it's it's him and bruce there's no hesitation <laughs> yes yeah him bruce a uh, little little bit of victor there as well i um yeah. victor um I, he's i wonder what what victor's motivation is here that he's maybe superman's the only one who could stop steppenwolf and the mother box maybe that's why we must keep going yeah or maybe it's just the robot in him that wants to know maybe maybe it's the mother box in him that's like hey you should you should totally maybe. activate this guy this would be cool uh, that's, <laughs> but oh man wake me up yeah yeah that's <laughs> uh that's a really fun way to look at it if it is like just oh, it's like subconsciously the mother box is still saying turn me on um so you know we can be joined in the unity that's really cool yeah. Uh but I do think I I don't know. I think Victor is more on the mindset of um again like that whole blind faith aspect that we were talking about before mm-hmm. of uh just knowing that having Superman back is the key. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was almost his idea, right? He presents the the concept that like the mother box can reanimate essentially or can like manipulate matter in this way and he's the one who projects superman when no one else says it out loud yeah yeah so it's i think it's more of like um victor knows exactly what is going to happen in regards to superman um you know just getting a 
super alien EKG on him. Yeah. Uh, but then I think, you know, obviously the pause is the effects of the mother box because it's not just like the one uh, effect that you have from the cause. It's two effects. You, you got to there's two things that are going to happen out of this outcome. One of them, Superman is going to be alive. The other one is the mother box is activated. So it's I it, I don't think Cyborg is so much more torn between the uh like the threat of the mother box turning on more so of just um it's mm-hmm. it's, it's like the mo- it's more so of like uh, doing what the mother box wants and what yeah. apocalypse wants. It's like because that is what they they do want you to activate the mother box, but yeah. We know that we have to activate the mother box to bring Superman back. So what is that phrase? Uh catch 22? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So and that that brings us to the to the next point in this minute, which is so right now there's two worst case scenarios. There's worst case scenario 1, it doesn't bring Superman back to life. And then worst case scenario two is that Steppenwolf shows up for the box. So they already know that, you know, option B is going to happen. Steppenwolf is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now they only have to think that, okay, maybe it doesn't work or maybe it does work. But then right there at the one from a countdown to five, four, three, two, one, mm-hmm. it decides now to instill this vision in Cyborg. Uh, my question is going to be, where does this vision come from? What instigates this vision? Um, but yes, uh, this vision will then lead us to a third scenario that will be much more terrifying and will change Cyborg's mind as we'll talk about in tomorrow's minute. But I, for yeah. now, I just want to talk about where's this vision come from? Who is this? What is this? Uh, there are a lot of like visions that people have in this movie. And that's my question every time is like, who's, where is this? What is the source of the, I read this as the mother box, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. So I think at face value, we can just, that's why I was saying like the mother box uh, is the supercomputer and already knows what's going to happen until, you know, the, uh, uh, until the singularity, if you will, like it, mm. it yeah. already can predict that the unity. What made. is unknown is the, what the singularity behind. is taken. You have to call it yeah, the unity. It's, like, <laughs> it's the same the unity, thing. Sorry, but... the unity is the singularity, right? So what is unknown is what happens behind that, you know, black hole in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I believe it is the mother box just saying like, no, this is like this is just what happens. This is just what's going to occur. This is the unity. The unity is designed to be a massive explosion that changes mm-hmm. the entire world and eradicates everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like that—that's kind of just it. So that vision, I believe, is coming from the mother box into cyborg. And I don't know if we think about it with uh, him being uh, biomechatronic and what is it? <laughs> him being the amalgamation of a computer and a human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I've said it. Biomechatronic. Okay, so the computer can actually, uh, you know, predict what is actually going to happen, but then the human side of him perceives that into visual reception. Mm. So it's like, oh yeah, oh. cool. I get the calculations, and you know, the outcome is 
y equals mx plus b but i actually can can view y equals mx plus b because i'm a i'm a human so that's really kind of cool the blend of uh science and so now you're getting into the why of it right like you're saying it's happening because he's calculating this Mm. yeah yes that's cool and he like the the mother boxes know what the unity is um so it really is just like i residual mother box bluetooth capability of just being like hey just to let you know once you turn me on like this is the mm-hmm. end game this is the calculation this is what you, this yeah. is yeah. this is the end it. result yeah. yeah um so then you know cool thing about humans is that we have an imagination and can actually picture things in our minds so cyborg went ahead and did just that let me give you the magic side of it because you did okay. you did the science side uh okay let's let's go uh what's it uh left left brain on this now um <laughs> let um the mother box is three right the and they kind of if we talk about the arthurian uh references that this movie has for apocalypse we can think of the mother boxes as the uh sisters of fate if you will because there's three of them that we see later um and they they kind of allude to them as the sisters of fate um then as the sisters of fate do they show you fate and if he's part of one then they are showing him what fate is to be now that they have changed the future by doing this because they weren't supposed to do this um Mm. and uh in this moment when they make this decision the fate hands of fate have changed and so then it changes and and tells him the mother box communicating cyborg this is now the calculation of the future and that goes into what you were saying nathan but the mother box has to let itself know here here's the new path forward and so okay okay three weird sisters what say you yeah there you go yeah hail macbeth yeah so um okay Oh, man, I, w- I went on that cyborg tangent. I totally was going to also tag on to something else, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. <laughs> I went way too deep into that. That's <laughs> well, that you know, and it, it'll probably pop up again. That's what I love so much about diving into this is that uh, there's so many ways to, to go about tackling this situation between the Justice League and kind of the timeline that gets yeah. frayed here. I mean, the Flash movie does this, right? Where it kind of uh spaghetti's the timeline of it and i think that's what they say in the movie um but this movie has a bit of uh, uh fraying of of the the future um there will be a line of it later in in this week of minutes but there's something that's fun to toy around with um it's not directly answered it's not even teed up in a way that's like oh we know where this is headed and there's just like two possibilities for the future. And we really don't know if we landed in the right one or the wrong one to kind of keep it cloudy. That was the other thing. I'm sorry. I no, don't mean to cut you I, I was hoping it would jog your memory. It, it really <laughs> did. So, um, Gary, you had mentioned uh, visions and, and, and dreams as well. Um, yeah. Dreams were a big part of uh, this trilogy. If we're uh, Man of Steel, Dawn mm-hmm. of Justice, and then Justice League. We... I don't think we were saying dreams are a big part in Wonder Woman, which kind of... There's one. Yeah, but you should have kept the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the three <laughs> the three have very uh, intense um, dream sequences, but uh, dream imagery. Um, 
So I think it's also really fun to think about, especially with how this movie ends, um, where the dreams come from, there probably is an argument for just the way how, um, I don't remember what term they used for in multiversity, but it's the way when the source wall kind of bleeds into the other worlds and other Mm, universes mm -hmm, or whatever. mm -hmm. So you get glimpses and images of things. Um, With Barry running back in time, and this is what sets it all off, with Barry running back in time in the future to warn Bruce about Lois Lane, Mark, you and I have said that it, automatically creates at least two different timelines at the very least there is two separate timelines now Mm -hmm. what we follow which is the main prime timeline is you know the main prime one the other one is the uh imperfect future if you will um we just don't know where that one splits off between the main timeline right it's like oh does the affair with lois lane and bruce take place and that's what splits or is it Superman actually just succumbing to the anti-life equation kind of thing. So the Mm -hmm. timeline splits. So possibly these visions are uh, source wall bleeding over from just the other timeline. And it's like, oh, hey, you know, something, maybe Flash did something and kind of opened up a pocket and things can actually, they're allowed to see into the other side. They have no control over it, but at some point they are able to get glimpses of what's behind that timeline. So that was kind of fun. Um, But I think ultimately the visions do come from just the things itself. Uh, This is just the mother box showing the vision. Um, But that vision does happen. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, it does happen. The unity does take place in one timeline because Barry came back in time. Like that existed. We just Mm -hmm. don't know when that timeline ceased to exist. And I don't think we're ever going to get an answer for that. It's never going to happen. <laughs> it's n- you know, never saying there's never, still say, right? one more arrow of Artemis in Themyscira. What are you supposed to do with that thing? That's a god killer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just unanswered questions. But, you know, to ease everybody's mind, the visions come from the actual things themselves. Hmm. I like that. Um, that which happens in, in, in the dark timeline the dark future, the nightmare sequence, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see glimpses of that in tomorrow's minute. Um, right now, it's just the beginning of it. So all we see is the um, kind of unity clicking into place, almost like a solved Rubik's Cube. And then all of a sudden, there's a flash of hot white energy and it almost looks like an Akira-level uh, third impact almost. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Pajornov goes up in a bright white light and then the minute's going to cut off there. So we'll save the vision talk uh, a little bit for tomorrow, but does anyone have any other notes before we wrap up this minute? No, that's it for mine. Yeah, I feel good about this one. All right, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.